0: Welcome to episode 59 of The Photo Show, and Happy New Year, everyone. I am recording from the bitter cold northeast of the United States, and also getting over a cold, something I tend to get between the semesters. I hope you are well, uh, but if uh, you have been afflicted with uh, these colds and flus that are going around, uh, I hope this helps you pass the time. Uh, today's guest is Veronica Sanchez Bencomo, founder of Photofeminas. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to make an announcement. Some of you know that I run a gallery uh, for my college down in Trenton, New Jersey called the JKC gallery and our next show is Jen Davis featuring her work from 11 years. Jen was a guest back on episode 44 of the photo show and she described the work as an exploration of body image and self perception and also the way others perceived her at the time. So the show will be up from January 25th to February 22nd. There will be a reception artist talk and book signing on Wednesday, January 31st from 5 to 8 p.m. The talk will be at 530 and I will post that on the photo show website. You know, I've, I've recently realized that I make these announcements about the gallery, but I don't often say where you can find that information. So I'll put them right on thephotoshow.org. So this episode with Veronica Sanchez-Bencomo was done over the internet, something I haven't done in a while, Uh, but uh, Veronica lives in Hong Kong, so this was uh, really the only way uh, we could do this. And so we talk about Veronica's work and how she got started, but also Photofeminas, which is an organization she founded To promote Latin American female photographers. So Photofeminas is somewhere between an archive, a collective, and a cooperative, and we talk about that on the show. But Veronica is looking for Latin American female photographers who are doing some serious work about the environment, and she's also looking to collect more work for the library that we talk about during the show. So if you would like to donate books or prints, or other items, and you are a Latin American female photographer or these are works from Latin American female photographers, there'll be links to that on the website. So again, Happy New Year, everyone. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. been in Hong Kong
1: I've been in Hong Kong actually it's coming to two years in March yeah it's gone surprisingly fast
0: what brought you out there
1: Uh, well essentially me and my husband we moved here because of uh, his job so we, we were previously based in New York so yeah that that was the main reason why we moved here but then I continued working on my projects uh, from from Hong Kong equally, yeah, <laughs> regardless of uh, the wait. distance to Latin America.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah And uh, so I guess you were at the Bronx Documentary Center. Was that right before you moved? or
1: No. So basically, when I was in New York, I was actually, I interned in ICP at the International Center of Photography. Um, I began in the library, and then I moved on to assist the chair of general studies, Marina Berio. Mm. And, um, uh, so pretty much, uh, I, I used to visit time to time the Bronx documentary center for well, exhibitions, talks. And, and before I left New York, I, uh, I did a donation of the books, uh, for the library, it was just about to launch the library when I moved. So uh, we sort of like remain in touch and uh, I think that was pretty much when Michael got to learn about photo feminists and we sort of wished that we could meet again in the near future really and and so we were able to make happen this talk uh, last November.
0: Uh, how did you get uh, involved in photography?
1: Um, so, actually, I always had a really strong interest for photography. Um, I, I'm originally from Venezuela. I, I did, you know, all my studies at school uh, in Caracas. And I think pretty much, I think, I don't exactly remember what age, but it must have been like 14, 15, I began to discover all the National Geographic magazines translated in spanish that you could buy in any kiosk in caracas and i go really into it into photography that way really like through national geographic and it was just like this dream like far away dream that i could one day work anything related to photography simply because in venezuela it's quite difficult or it's it's rather especially back then it was rather unusual to meet anyone who would who would work photography but then actually when when it came to my final year of school um, I was 17 and I wanted to study sociology and I took a gap year to go to UK to learn English and so when I moved to UK my English teacher was just like what do you really 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 like and what is your true passion and I was just like immediately photography and mm. And I sort of explained to him why I would not study photography, And he was like, "Oh, we have to help you and <laughs> and and he literally he went to college in in Brighton, where I lived and and he made me an appointment, and then I sort of believed that I could do this so i I applied, and then I had my interview, and I showed my photographs of my gap here traveling in Europe and They accepted me and I was super thrilled that I could learn Yeah, everything like from the from the very much the scratch because basically in college I was very fortunate to learn everything from the analog starting points. So like black and white processing film and and i mean i fell in love and then i was like there is no going back i'm I'm, i don't (laughs) want to move back i don't want to study sociology and and then pretty much i continue from from there and that took me to university later to 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 study photojournalism, and I haven't Did looked you, back.
0: Uh, <laughs> Do you still have a, a love for analog photography, for film photography?
1: I, I really like it, and 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 I have to say it is an amazing experience, like... I really enjoyed like processing. Actually, I thought that was such a sort of like very quiet moment that you just like very much connect and and then of course the printing with black and white. I really liked it. And then in in university, I did learn how to process in color. I did like it, but then the only thing with when we when we printed in color was with the machine, so we didn't really see that process. So I I didn't fall in love in the same way. I think the black and white just has that sort of like romantic side and but I haven't I haven't been shooting film in a very long time.
0: Um, Yeah that that's interesting you say because you were separated from the actual you know hands-on in the chemistry kind of process but when I know when I started shooting color I was also working at uh, my, uh, my college and I was in charge of maintaining the machine. So in some ways, I always had my hands in the chemistry. I was always mixing chemicals. And Mm. to this day, I still love the smell of color darkroom, even though it's probably very toxic (laughs) and black and white darkroom.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I even, I used to have like my darkroom shirt because he had all the, you know, stains. and. Yes. So it's sort of like, I, I don't know, it has some kind of like, just like cool feeling, I don't know, homey in a yeah. weird way. Yeah.
0: So you went to the uh, Brighton Metropolitan College in England, and that's where you got your degree, your diploma in photography, it says. Yeah,
1: so basically in UK, um, I did a, like a BTEC national diploma, and that was in, yeah, the, the Brighton City College. They've changed the name now, so it's now Brighton Technology College, I think. Um, And so that was a two years, like foundation. So it was very much like, as I was saying, like very analog, black and white, color, traditional printing. Uh, And then we moved on to the digital Photoshop and all of that. And then when I entered university, that was a three years degree. And that was more like writing essays, more analytical history of photography. And then pretty much like working on uh, personal projects, and yeah, that was this once in Metropolitan, but they also changed their name. Um, so it used to be Metropolitan when I when I graduated, but they've changed to University of Wales.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you uh, become interested in photojournalism then while you were in college?
1: Um, yeah, I think I always had this sort of um, passion for the social, and I guess that's why I wanted to study sociology at one point. Uh, I wanted to understand more. And I think Mm. this was also very much related because of back home, they, you know, like you're so exposed to journalism, media, human rights, um, from a very young age, I would say. And also, well, even like early 2000, we had a coup. The media was like a big topic even among, you know, teenagers. So I guess it comes from from, from that sort of like childhood, the journalism mm. interest uh, experience. And then, so yeah, when I was living in England, I really felt like through photojournalism, I could also focus on stories that could give voice to people who perhaps were not, were not heard or that it would not be as, as known. So I think that definitely had a, a, a big motivation on me. And, and I think, well, especially Latin America has always been like that sort of like inspiration point for me.
0: And and during that coup, I mean, you must have seen uh, media and civilians alike uh, getting beat up and attacked and all kinds of things.
1: Yeah. So, so, so I mean, I think the 2002 coup was, was pretty strong because that was also when the only time where Chavez actually lost power, and even though it was for a few days, I think we had two precedents in two days or something like this. I, I, I think it is two precedents. So basically, there, there was, it was very unknown what was happening, and, and you know there was a lot of coverage media. Back then, there was no Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp, none mm. of this. So it was still pretty much relied on the printed press, TV, and radio. So, yeah, I remember young, like we went outside to the streets and because people just wanted to know what was happening. And and I'm sure that must have played an impact. Yeah, in my interest for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: do you think that your interest in National Geographic was all part of the idea that the world was bigger in your mind? Like, like there's this, but I know there's more was it appealing to you
1: um yeah definitely i think i mean we uh, growing up yeah we did go like on holidays and stuff but like it it was never like to the other side of of the world let's say right like um and even just to learn about other cultures and i mean venezuela can be i guess quite exotic like if you travel south um you can meet indigenous people and but it was, it was just this sort of, I guess this feeling of the, the world is so big and there is so much to explore and to learn. But I think also another thing that I loved about it was that I could learn so much looking at images. I mean, I don't know how is it like in other education systems in other countries, but when I grew up, um, it was very text-based. Um, and like for instance like history and even geography back home it was always so much text and I guess I was already a very visual person and and maybe I felt this sort of like instant connection like oh I'm learning but I can see what I'm reading too (laughs) you know like I'm not leaving it all to my imagination and 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 maybe then you know I was just too young to understand that I just was a visual person. I, I, I never thought about that actually. Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, so then you do go on to study at the University of Wales, Trinity St. Davis, uh, yeah, in Wales. And and what was that experience like? And and when did you actually start working and getting jobs?
1: So I moved in two thousand seven to Wales, and it was it was a very good experience because it it provided me. With more historical knowledge of photography and because um, we had like the lecture class and so we could kind of see or understand more how image can be used not only in photojournalism but like in movies or you know the impact and how they can transcend in history and and so that 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 was very interesting um and then this the other part that I really enjoy about university was that we were in the art faculty. But actually, the university was very flexible about us experimenting uh, with other medium using photography, as long as photography was involved. So I was just so fortunate that I could use like ceramic labs and use photography or video studio and use photography. Like always mix it and I love that and, and, and that was like another way to sort of present photography or understand photography. And then we had like um, site-specific projects. So we sort of kind of had to come up with these ideas of like, okay, how to express that for that particular location, and how is photography, can, oh, how can we use it in this context? So I really enjoyed that, that sort of experimental approach. And then after university, I we me and my partner, we moved to Brighton because I I really want to be back in Brighton. It's like a very photography sort of hub too. But then we realized like all the jobs we were getting was in London, so it was like no point to stay. Even though it was a great environment. When I moved to Brighton in in September 2010, it was actually the Brighton Photo Biennale, and I worked there. For, like that was like my my first job, saying in. in as a production assistant and and sort of like helping out, and so that year was Martin Parr, the the curator, and mm-hmm. that was that was also a really great experience. Like right after college, and 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 just I, I was just fascinated how to use the spaces that not necessarily were galleries, but in a creative way to sort of bring you know more photography and more people to to learn these sorts of of this sort of a story so that was a great um experience and then i moved to london and i began just like assisting photographers and just sending tons of emails (laughs) um you know and 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 it was different jobs commercial sometimes it was like uh corporate jobs and And sort of from from there I move on and then I landed in a commercial studio in Camden Town in London. And that was something I had never thought I would do because I hadn't really kind of taken my portfolio in that sort of a style. And actually, at the time, I thought like, oh, this is a waste of time. This is not what I want to do, and blah, blah, blah. But actually, it...
0: Where's the social justice in this yeah, work? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it did, it did, and now I can see, it provided me with a lot of skills, which was a lot of Photoshop. I learned a lot about Photoshop in the studio, lighting, and how to run a photography studio, Um so that that was actually very useful, and and I mean even today I know how to do those things because of that job. So now I look back and I'm like, well, it wasn't such a waste of time, you know. But like, of
0: course. No, it's true. I mean, learning all those technical skills and business skills in a field where you're you're not, um, you know, so tied to, so committed to, so worried about failing in actually allows you to concentrate on those other things yeah it's almost freeing in a way it's like all right i don't see this as being my entire career but i'm gonna learn a lot of things here
1: yeah yeah and that was something i you know maybe because i had just graduated and i had this like attitude that i i got it (laughs) all work out i know you know but actually no there was a lot to learn and and and, and it was good to also work with, within a team in the studio um and then pretty uh, the same I started like as a runner and then from a runner they took me as an assistant and then junior photographer and then a studio manager's assistant so yeah it kind of went sort of like progressive but I am glad that it went like that because there was a lot to take in <laughs>
0: Not to mention a, a source of income.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in London, that is just so expensive. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, where do you go from London?
1: So then we we moved to New York.
0: W- were you already married at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we moved to New York, and also for my husband's job. That was we we moved to New York, and. And so I always, of course, had heard about ICP and, well, has a great reputation. So a friend of mine, he he had studied there and he was a TA there for several years. And he was like, oh, maybe you should try the TA there. And and pretty much immediately I started to, to be a TA and ICP had a great and positive impact in my in My growth and, and and sort of like my understanding what what did I want to do with photography and and so it was a it was a great 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 experience to be there. Um, I absolutely recommend the library to anyone <laughs> I think it's an amazing place yeah
0: absolutely and so you know we want to talk about photofeminas and even Ventana latina,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is I think the first venture where you started to. Uh, openly represent or try to represent more women in photography. Mm. Uh, Was there, though, a a moment, um, an event or just some culmination of of things you were noticing where you thought, "I, I need to do this, I need to represent more women?
1: Yeah. So I think pretty much it started. So in my last year of university, actually, is when everything started, we had to do two major final projects. So one was like an external project that had to be completely outside our, say, campus and, and comfort zone, I suppose. So I decided I wanted to do my external with an NGO um, in Chile. And that was kind of like I went to another country. I didn't go home.
0: What was that organization?
1: Oh, the organization is called Quaniquem. And it's an NGO based in Chile that... Um, they do an amazing work they basically they provide uh, medical care for burn injuries for children um, for all Latin America and the Caribbean and I think it's since 1980 70s mid 70s so pretty much it started as something very small and today has grown into like therapy and so on
0: you were photographing for them?
1: Yeah, so so basically I went there um, and in order to create this like photo essay and uh, they could also use those images as well. So it was like a work experience too, like an internship working for an NGO. And then after that, when I came back, we had to write our dissertation. So I, I knew I wanted to do something related to Latin America. And so I decided to focus on the different perspectives that Mexico had been photographed, whether local or foreign photographers. So I started kind of like looking into who had been photographing uh, Mexico in the 20th century. And so that I, I that's when I came to learn more about Graciela Iturbide, uh, Tina Modotti, uh, Lola Álvarez Bravo. So like, yeah, all these photographers and, and this kick in this sort of like, yeah interest appetite for like oh what else is going on in 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 other places so i finished university and then so when i moved to london i i learned about this ngo called latin american house and they have this online magazine called ventana latina so i landed here to contribute with the topic of photography so they the magazine they look to promote latin american culture within uk so whether it's music theater food um so there was nothing for photography and i was like oh maybe i can come up with something and i came up with this idea to do like some sort of column so we called it we decided to call it 10 questions with so every month it was a different photographer or well also we had a couple of times we had um like organizers uh we had a a Water photo festival director but she's also a photographer I mean most of it I would say 95 97 percent they were photographers so that that was a great experience and in, in the in that process I I did notice pretty much right away that it was quite difficult to find the works of women photographers from Latin America and and also it was like either they were very well recognized like Graciela Turbide or Sara Facio but there wasn't something more contemporary or perhaps more like a peer to my age or my experience or kind of that I could sort of mirror but I guess it's a natural thing for people to sort of think like okay what are people of my age or my level are they working on I would like to know I think I had that sort of curiosity and then, so Photo really kicked in when I was in ICP library as a TA, as a teacher assistant, Like assist, I, I did an internship in the library. So basically the, the, idea, the idea really kicked in because I was just exposed to so many amazing books and formats from all over the world. Of course, there was a lot of Latin American publications I had never been exposed to before, uh, because my university didn't have such a rich uh, collection of Latin American books. I guess also related to the proximity and, and I guess history, there is not as many Latin Americans and, in Wales. And, and, and anyway, so these, this sort of like, I, I just got so interested. And, and, and I guess all this previous experience was just there, I guess, sort of brewing. In, in one way or another. And um, and then it just really kicked in the idea uh, a year after I had moved to New York.
0: And and that was called uh, Fotografia Latina. That was the sort of the column, the, the inside of Ventana Latina. Yeah, in Latina, Ventana yeah.
1: Latina. Yeah, 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 that's right. So then, yeah, pretty much I, I started doing both Ventana Latina and then Photo Feminist. And then eventually I was like, I, I want to focus all my energy to Photo Feminist, so I, I finished the, the column or, I don't know, the piece, the article with Ventana Latina, but it, was, it, it really exposed me to this sort of like research, I guess, but also it influenced Photo Feminist format in the sense that when I, when I started sort of drafting Photo Feminist, I was thinking, okay, how do I want to present it? I want it to be monthly. I want to show the biography, the statement of the project, but I also want to have some kind of like interview with the artist. So it sort of still was Robin there that sort of like influence I feel. And so I'm very grateful I had that too.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, there are well-known photographers, uh, Graciela Turbide, uh, you mentioned uh, Lola Alvarez Bravo and, and I had on the show Aaron Turner. Who promotes African American photographers? And he said actually almost the exact same thing. Everybody, everybody knows certain photographers, but then that the the scholarship seems to stop there, right? right. And uh, the exposure seems to stop there. And in in some ways, it's because I think once you you feel like you you know so many African American photographers or so many Latina photographers, you're it's kind of like, oh yeah, so I'm I, I'm diverse in my knowledge of photography, and and there's then there's a sort of almost little bit of laziness, right, in terms of trying to find out more, reach out more. Not to mention maybe the lack of venue and the lack of exposure, you know, being offered to those photographers, right? right. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I think even as you're saying with the with the, with the venues, I mean, venue. I'm talking about online sort of venue space. When I was a student, there wasn't even a quarter of websites and platforms that exist today, for example. Um, And even in 2011-12, when when I wanted to research, it wasn't so easy that I could uh, find out the photographer's name. And we didn't have neither as many festivals in our region. Whereas now I would say in the last five years, I have really seen such a positive um, growth in general, like people who lives in South America or some of us who live overseas. Uh, But I feel like there is definitely more space now, which makes it so much easier to discover talents. So that's, that's, that's also another very important part to create venues. Yeah. Whether online or offline, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so
0: let's talk about Photofeminas. In what ways, you know, what are the venues you're finding for that? Like, what are the what? Are, what's the platform for for getting the word out?
1: I mean, essentially, it really started. Uh, my idea was to have this online space where sort of I could archive uh, the name of the photographers, and then whoever would end up in this website, could also hopefully click to the photographer's website. That's sort of like the initial idea, but then pretty much a few months after I was like, oh, it would be great to take this to an actual exhibition to be able to present it or, or maybe even find a way where the photographers can have an arena to talk about their work, uh, or the work or the growth of the work as well. Um, I think that's also very important to sort of see like the progress, kind of like what we did at the Bronx Documentary center, and so I began to apply um, to festivals or you know sending exhibition proposals and so the first the first show we had was in the Water photo Festival in Guatemala in two thousand and fifteen, and that was great. Um, we had a very good response and we were even invited to extend the exhibition for three months (laughs) and i was like "This is fantastic i was so excited and then it pretty much continued from there uh like applying and and then last year it was like our big it has been our biggest show so far it was in pingyao photography festival so i think it's the second third largest photography festival in china and it was our biggest show too it was 150 photograph and it, it was just an amazing experience to be there with i mean people from all over the world very well established photographers curators researchers thinkers around photography so that that, that definitely had an, a very positive impact and and so also other platforms they have reached out uh, either inviting uh, for projections or talks or exhibitions. Yeah, so that I, I really like that too, that there is this, this sort of like fraternity among photography. And well, again, going back to the venue, I think we need to come together in order to sort of create yeah, opportunities for all of us.
0: Yeah. D- do you consider yourself a, a kind of cooperative or more like a, a gallery director?
1: Yeah, it's funny. When I was in the um, Bronx Documentary Center, they asked us if we were a collective, but then I was like, well, I'm not sure if we are a collective because, I mean, I guess the, the title of collective, it means that we will produce work together whether it's themed or not, but they will be like sort of like, yes, we will need to create something (laughs) together. I suppose that's what a collective is.
0: Right, a body of work that is organized by idea.
1: Yeah, so we haven't done something like that yet. However, we have, like now we're organizing a show in Peru. So two of the photographers that were featuring Photo Feminis, they're they're both Peruvian Sol and Rochi, they, they, they are helping with the entire organization. So it pre- that really feels like a collective work uh, of bringing everybody together and, and and making the show happen. But prior to that, we didn't actually have that sort of like dynamic. Hopefully, you know, it will continue that direction. We'll see, but um, maybe it has more of a co-op feeling, I think, than, than collective actually. And, and also, I mean, now there are 36 photographers, so some of them, they share the same country, they live in the same country. So it, it is easy, I guess, in that sense to organize certain things if there's several of them. But I mean, so far I have sort of described Photo Feminist as a platform, as a place to sort of promote the works of Latin American and Caribbean female photographers. But we'll see. Maybe we'll emerge, grow into something. Yeah,
0: yeah but I mean, are, are you choosing all of the photographers yourself then?
1: Yeah, that's right. So basically, I select every photographer. This year, I sort of wanted to change slightly the curatorial, I suppose, selection system. So what I did was I chose the first six photographers of the year. So from... January to June and then I asked each of those photographers to invite one for the second half of the year. So I just wanted to kind of like integrate other photographers that perhaps I didn't have on my on my loop or that I hadn't come across. So I, I just thought, OK, I want to open up the conversation, say, to other selections. So And I really enjoyed it, I really enjoyed bringing that sort of like outside voice. To select but yeah overall all of them chosen by me yeah yeah
0: so so what are you looking for
1: well pretty much i look i want to see first of all like the photographers are very much engaged in their stories i don't do any like you know if somebody went on holidays and two pictures and then uploaded <laughs> them to a website i i don't do any of that i mean i really want to see even i mean even if it's one body of work but i want to see that sort of passion and engagement in one story or more I mean depends on the photographer so the stories that I'm very interested in publishing photo feminists are the ones involved with documentary photojournalism uh, portraits and I'm also really looking for more environmental stories especially based in Latin America so whoever is listening to this, you know, like if you know, <laughs> please send it to photo Feminist. um yeah, I really want to create more awareness about the environment I think is super needed, and mm. if I can sort of like do my bit, uh, that would be my way i suppose and and then other stories are more personal, more conceptual, but um. Pretty much, I mean, in terms of like some of the photographers have focused on family or femininity, uh, but I think it pretty much goes back to to the style of documenting their family. So yeah, pretty much those are the interests.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's there is a a great diversity of work on the website on the Photofeminist site, but but I think what t- does tie it all together is there's this this social concern. There's this interest in humanity and, and yes. how lives are affected both externally and, and internally, right? Inside and outside. Yeah. The other thing I, um, I wanted to mention was, there's, there's, of course, the, you know, eternal debate on, on working in, in, in uh, documenting culture, like, do you have to be a member? Do you have to be inside that culture? You, you mentioned before, and I, I agree with you, the, the idea of the, the travel photographer who kind of parachutes in photographs for a week, comes out and thinks they've accomplished something. <laughs> mm, <laughs> no. mm, mm. Um, and of course, I, I always put a little asterisk on that photojournalism, like, uh, um, you know, uh, photojournalism that is uh, of the moment is a separate category, right? And different from documentary and long-term work and things like that. So when I say parachuting in, I, I, I'm not criticizing what photojournalists do, but uh, the idea of of somebody you know, from somebody from outside the culture, documenting the culture, do you have a, a, an ideology about that? Do you draw the line on that idea? Uh, well, let me ask that a different way. Do you have, um? how do you consider those photographers?
1: I mean, I think it's very needed to have both views, uh, the external view as well as a local view, uh, because I think they both contribute to the understanding and the, or criticism whatever it is positive or negative um, but I, th- I think they're both very important and I'm sure they will both have their goods and and bads. but that's I mean it's part of photography subjective I, I, I guess you know um, everybody will respond in in different ways to situation well because depending on the background their understanding to a situation and and I guess that, that, that could be a whole essay about, <laughs> you know. Um, but I another thing, a lot of people have said to me, like, oh, why don't you include in photo feminists also the, extent, like the foreign view of female photographers in Latin America? I don't know at this very moment whether I would do it. I, I have thought about it. Um, I have considered it. But um, for now, the main focus for me is uh yeah latin american photographers i think i mean another motivation too that i've always had i guess with latin american photography having lived overseas for over 10 years i think you so often come across just always the negative image of latin america like the violence the corruption the drugs you know narcos (laughs) all these and, and, and I'm not saying that that's not true. I think that holds uh, a truth within our history and contemporary reality. However, it's not the entire image. It's not the entire you know, story of an entire region. Um, so sometimes I feel, yeah, of course, you know, it's easy to end up in stereotypes because it can happen to all of us. Um, but then I guess there is also a responsibility on us as in Latin Americans that we should also show what is the, another image of where we come from. And I mean, and some I tried to also sh- show in Photo Feminist some photojournalism where, uh, for example, Venezuelan photographer Betty Laura Zapata, she photographed the problems with public health care in Venezuela. Um, there is Adriana Sebrauska in, in Mexico, photographing uh, former um, African communities in Mexico. So, I mean, yeah, there is a, oh, Karen Miranda Rivadeneira as well, recently working in, in the Amazon in Ecuador and the problems that the, the locals are having because of all this oil pumping and, and and I think it is important, very important, to show that, of course, because you, you cannot... I, I don't think it would be healthy to show that life is a fan, you know, like Disneyland. <laughs> it, it, it is not, <laughs> you know, like... But I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good to, if possible, to find a balance, yeah.
0: Is there... Um a photographer or two, you just mentioned two, but um, that maybe you've brought on recently with the work that you're kind of excited about, think you wanted to point out, highlight?
1: Actually, uh, there is a work, I was very, ex- this year, I had seen it. I think I might have found out about it when I was in the library, in ICP library. And then I sort of like lost it. I couldn't remember the name or she didn't have a website. I can't quite remember how it was. Then I went to Chile in March to teach a workshop and she, she, she applied to the workshop with without work. And I was like, wow, this work is back to me. Like this is great. <laughs> and so I published her last month and um, it's Gabriela, Gabriela Rivera, and she's from Chile and her work, even though it appears like it's a portrait of a mask made by her actually there's many layers to it so she, uh, the the name of her work is bestiario which is like beast dress room kind <coughs> of yeah and uh, i mean the, the the thing with this project is that in translation it gets lost the value of it so her her idea was uh, to represent through Costume-made masks using real animal parts. The names that are used for women in a very, um, uh, how can I say, rude, sort of like...
0: Derogatory, yeah. rude, insulting. Insulting, right.
1: yeah. So, actually, we in Spanish, I don't know in other languages, but in Spanish, we use that a lot towards women. So... You know, it, 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 could be, it could be... The thing is, it just doesn't work in English, but... Um, so she, she took all these words, sort of almost making like a visual dictionary, and, and she collected all this, like, flesh from the butcher. And she's a vegetarian, so she also kind of wanted to... Oh, you know, boy! So she wanted to sort of also bring this animal statement. And her mum, she was um, a seamstress, so she also wanted to bring this kind of craft quality so she really put together so many things that were so important in her statement and she's a feminist too so all of this and and i think they're great and she just keeps making more of this and
0: i'm looking at her i'm looking at her work now on the website yeah. and it, and it is it's difficult to look at because of the rawness yeah. of the animal's skin and parts and, and flesh and guts, whatever else that is on there. And, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, I'm also having difficulty turning away from looking at it yeah. because it is so visually interesting. And is that, um, there's a, a, a photograph where the costume is actually being sewn on. Is that the photographer Yeah, doing yeah. That? So
1: that's, Gabri- Gabriela, She, she it's, she's also making self-portraits. So Mm. there is like these, all of these layers and, um, and yes, she continues and she has even taken, um, you know, like classes in taxi, what is it? Taxi, taxidermy, taxidermy. Yeah. And, and so she's storing all of this as well in her house. And I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, this is. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder for how long is this going to go on, but I think it's amazing. And, and, and she exhibits them really large.
0: And she's, she's choosing animals that are used to throw insults at women.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, but yeah, I just in English doesn't work the translation.
0: Oh yeah, sure. But, no, but, but it's, it's bestiario, uh, the name of the project.
1: Yeah, right? that's correct. Yeah, yeah, bestiario. So bestia is beast but ve, Vestiar with V, it means like dressing room. So oh, she okay. sort of kind of mixed two words uh, to bring the animals high and the clothing. That I guess women would use that as a reason to, men and women to kind of use these words to insult women. So right. That I would say like that's the most recent one that I think it really has shaken me uh, this year I would say yeah.
0: I could see why yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are also let's not forget a photographer and and you have your own site with your own work and there were there are two publications what, uh, are they both zines?
1: Yeah, so um i never done a publication before so these were actually my first experimentations in the printing area um so yeah there are photo zines or like artists sort of books
0: mm-hmm. and one of them's called uh, hasta la Reis, yeah which is uh d- it translates to the root but i'm not sure that's a good translation yeah
1: that's correct oh, okay yeah yeah
0: what does that work about there the photos are um circular i've noticed right the way you you uh present them yeah and uh, so and there are lots of you know details and evidence of i i would say personal items
1: yeah so when when i moved to new york i i had this very nostalgia feeling about home and i had at that time lived away for 10 years so i think it, it was like this sort of like natural feeling um because i have moved clearly you go through so many things you know you you know you encountered so many things that you had even forgotten you had with you so i think this sort of like process of moving and and kind of like it happened to be 10 years sort of like brought me to this idea to photograph ornaments or i mean sometimes even junk that i had um hold on to simply because they had like a special meaning to me Either you know, my mom gave it to me before I left, or, or in one of the travels. And then I sort of wanted to almost make like this sort of commemoration to to memory to to these objects. So um, so there's every each in each image there are different objects. Um, I I sort of mix them up, and some some of them are more like theme. So like one of them is my my grandma passed away the 12 12 12 so I had been thinking about this like she was hundred years old when she passed away on the twelve, twelve, twelve. and I really wanted to do something sort of kind of like commemorate her and then others was just like pretty much for just memory yeah very much so yeah and then the other one Pequeño Guera, which we name in English um, Blaze uh, that was in a collaboration with um, a childhood friend, but she's also a, a writer. She's a poet. She's currently based in Uruguay. She's Venezuelan too, and I mean, she's published a couple of books, po- poetry. And so we we really wanted to do this for a very long time. And I had been in New York just doing a lot of like self-portraits and. And then one day we were like, okay, just send me what you have and I'll send you what I have. And then in that exchange, we actually completely unexpected and unplanned. We found that our works actually had a lot in common. So we were really like surprised, like, wow, you know, she was in Uruguay, I was in New York. And we were actually producing work that it was kind of like touching similar topics. And then we were like, well, this pretty much, it's, uh, it's like the kicking point, you know, to, to, to put it together.
0: How did that conversation work? Would you send a photo she would write or you would read, read her poetry and you would make photos in reference to it or back and forth like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we kind of thought it was going to work that way, like sort of like more organized, but it, it wasn't actually. It was very <laughs> <laughs> spontaneous. Uh, in the sense that um, I had been producing images and then I just selected I don't know maybe 12 15 of my maybe like the ones I felt they were most relevant and then she did the same like she sent me like a batch of poems it must have been like within within days like we we share I mean we had been producing this work beforehand of course and then we just sort of like encounter a lot of similarities and and then we was when we did the edit we were like okay these images work with these poems and then we did a little show here in hong kong when the publication was ready and 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 yeah that's that 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 (laughs) was that that was a very different also kind of way of working so
0: some some of the work you had already made and, and she had already written and some of the work you made in response to
1: yeah yeah that's right so she some of the I, I believe some of the poems that she shared with me had already been published in some of her books yeah
0: oh that's great uh and getting back to the uh Hasta la Reis, the objects that you selected you were saying that you know you have these collections of things and and i i'm, I'm sorry if i missed it uh did you say it was the both your objects and also things of your grandmother's or reminded you of your grandmother?
1: Yeah, no, so they were, they were mine. So some of them, uh, for example, when my grandma passed away, I inherited her negatives. And they were like, say, I think it's a very small collection. They don't even make like 50 photographs. Um, But it was actually the first time I had seen grandma young, like, because... Of course, I had always met her really old. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, so I had actually seen photographs of my granddad when he was young, but I didn't recall uh, grandma young. And that I did, it just felt so precious uh, when I got that. And then she, she also was a seamstress. So there was a lot of things that she made me in my childhood and that I, I hold on to them. Um, it wasn't like somebody told me, like, oh, keep this. And then I actually took them with me to UK because I wanted to have something, you know, um, that reminded me of her. And then eventually she passed away. But um, so I sort of really had this almost like, yeah, just like a personal yeah way of uh, paying respects, I I, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and is the representation in as circular images just a sort of pointing to the idea of the... The lens or the photograph, the, you know, the way the camera sees things as a circle?
1: Yeah, so basically I had read that during the Greek times when they were making potteries, uh, when, oh, wow. when, they, when they would like um, draw circles with something inside, was to refer to domestic ornaments or utensils. And that really, is, that really stayed in my head because I wanted to sort of have... This sort of like idea of they are very much common objects like they, they don't have a money value or anything like that it's it's just sort of like that makes home inside of your heart when you see it or when you get when you have it or yeah oh okay yeah yeah and then so there is a lot of like little flowers used and it's a lot related to my dad so my dad would always buy me flowers and Kind of like, yeah, it's just very personal, yeah, very like diary, I suppose. Like,
0: yeah. Mm. And then in the, the pequeña hoguera, so the hoguera is is fire or, yeah, or yeah, bonfire, like or... yeah, yeah. And then you you translated it as blaze. Was that to uh, you 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 write it as a, a dialogue about sensibilities? Is the is the fire the thing that kind of wakes up your senses? Is that the idea? It's the thing that sort of uh, uh, instigates certain reactions and responses?
1: Yeah, we wanted to sort also, it was, I think, related to more the commemoration of creativity and the sort of like some, because both of our moments when we were creating our own works, Christina, her poems, and myself, my photograph, was this almost like way of connecting with ourselves and so in, in, in the instance of Christina, her, she had always written a lot since a young age, but it was actually until her father passed away, I think it was 2012, if I remember right, that she really, that was her way, that was, I guess, her way of mourning, her, her escape, uh, uh, or her way of confronting, and I'm, I'm, that's at least how I understood always her poetry. And, and and myself, it was this sort of like moment where I was also in this this sort of search. Uh, what did I want to do? What 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 sort of other things that I I, I care about? And and my way is not writing, but my way was taking pictures and pictures of myself to sort of like, I guess, self question or find myself. Um, so the the fire really was about that. and in, in, in the statement we talk about that we wanted to be a small flame, not like a big fire, uh, because we we thought like if it would be a big fire, it would um, come to an end. Whereas if it, it was like a small flame, um, it would it would be there kind of like heating up, well triggering that sort of like passion for what we do. So, and, and, and then we felt like hopefully people could could also find their own sort of like blaze within themselves for what they feel for 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 what their passion is.
0: Right, right. So so the the big fire is is more about destruction and Mm. and wiping everything out. And the small the small flame is is more of a a, the sublime and the 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 transformation.
1: Mm, mm, mm. That's that that's why we decided for that title. Yeah. So kind of like, giving this idea of like continuing that that's a chapter, but there is more. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what are you, uh, working on now? And so now you're, you're situated in Hong Kong. Uh, what, um, what are your plans?
1: Well, in terms of like personal projects as, as a photographer, I'm working at, on two projects very slowly, but <laughs> 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 I'm working on them. Uh, so basically it's, it's again related to, to home, but, Seen maybe more in a political aspect and in the diaspora, I suppose, as being a Venezuelan um, way and how I see it. So they're still not mature enough like to give more details, but yeah, they're in progress. And in terms of photofeminists, well, the newest project is the photofeminist library, which I named after the late. Guatemala and photojournalist Maria Cristina Oribe. So I, I actually met her when we had the exhibition in Guatemala and she's always really inspired me, but she passed away, uh, I think pretty much the week I launched the library, Photo Feminist Library, and I really felt like it would be great, honor to name our young, very young library after her.
0: Are you thinking of a, a virtual library, a physical library?
1: Yeah, so basically, The library occurs thanks to donations from uh, well, one is the Chilean editorial house called La Visita. And then the other donations have been made by the artists themselves, their own publications. So what I'm looking to create also as, as well as I'm doing this sort of like archive online is to create also a physical archive of the books, publications, photozines, art books, so the idea is that the library gets exhibited too. So the library it's it's referential um but it's also available for exhibitions. So so far I mean we started I started it in in August. So I've been exhibiting in in, in Asia. Hopefully it will travel to other continents.
0: <laughs> yes, of course and if you if you come to the states let me know.
1: <laughs> thank you um so the 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 idea is that more people can also sort of like learn about the editorial narrative and, and the works so but the books that i am archiving in the library not necessarily have to be uh published in photo feminists. this can be still from women from latin america and the caribbean but um it can be other topics too so we are growing on that very
0: by the way have i have I mentioned that I run a photo gallery in Trenton, New Jersey?
1: <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> if you ever interested in having a photo book, you know, yeah. exhibition?
0: We can talk uh, after.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we did now a festival here in Hong Kong. Uh, it finished last week, um, and it, it was it was so great to be able to to have it out there for people to learn and see it and um, and that's the idea, the idea is that people see the books as well and we went to Taiwan in October, it was an uh, art book fair um, and that, that, that was great as well um, really good response and then the other two opportunities have been in like pop-up book festivals, no pop-up book art fair as they call it really and then that that's, that's been great. And, and so, I mean, the the library also has like there is a book that has a record player a, a vinyl. So I play the vinyl and the books are out. Um, so hopefully it has a, a, a soothing, I don't know, welcoming, warm uh, experience. So yeah, we are receiving donations.
0: Nice. Yeah. I'll promote that when uh, we publish the show. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you. So, what is your um, what is your social media platform of choice?
1: Yeah, well, actually, we we have several channels in the sense that I mean, we have a Facebook page, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We have a SoundCloud to Vimeo and Tumblr as well.
0: The SoundCloud is for for interviews?
1: Yeah, so now it sort of has changed. Now it's not really an interview, now it's more like a conversation with the artist. Yeah, I would like to think that it's like a studio visit.
0: <laughs> I like to think I like to think of the podcast as a, a conversation yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: I think it evolves more as a conversation as opposed to an interview, but I mean Instagram of course is it's so relevant, it's visual. We are in the visual industry uh i mean facebook also has major engagement i guess is the word more engagement with people and i, I like twitter i still tweet i tweet very often a lot of uh, images of like the instagram takeovers or articles uh yeah i think i think twitter is great i and and also i use tumblr I don't have many followers but I don't I don't really think about it as a followers I think it's more like this visual diary like an online visual diary that sometimes I just go back to it and just browse through what have I uploaded because no, everything that I upload to Tumblr is on Instagram.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of conversations going on right now that maybe the value of social media and thousands of followers is a bit overplayed mm. in terms of getting a message out and 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 sharing. I I use Instagram, you know, for the show a lot, um, and I I have uh, artist takeovers of the show, but I think of it more as um just a, a platform of of. I don't need to have the ten thousand followers. Of course everybody would want ten thousand followers, mm. but but the idea that bringing in other people who have other friends as a way of just cross sharing those mm. you know, those images and those ideas and things like that. And so but yeah, it's um you know, I think for a while everybody was just trying to maximize their followers and that of course tends to make you post things of a, a certain of a certain kind of least common denominator idea. Mm-hmm. Right, um, as opposed to um you know sharing the things you're more interested in sharing mm,
1: mm, yeah i mean i I try to organize well now I'm organizing two Instagram takeovers per month, uh so each is one one week long and and then pretty much the other two weeks, I try to maybe share events, upcoming events, or the photographer of the month, that sort of stuff, and I mean i don't think i post every day on facebook i would say i've been posting more because there's lately i feel maybe because it's the end of the year so many articles competitions and 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 analysis or you know critique pieces about Well, um, I mean, also, we we do have a private group, though, in in the photo feminists.
0: Is that more of a a way of sharing works in progress and having conversations?
1: Yeah, no, with this one, we don't we don't share personal projects. Uh, It's more like sharing competitions, grants, um, more like a blog, sort of like maybe informative blog. And sometimes some of them they share also like if they wrote an article, or if they had a feature, I mean, but then that's kind of like a personal take from each photographer. And yeah, the group, I think they're about 30, 35 photographers. Um, and then, yeah, the idea is to sort of like share opportunities, yeah. really. Yeah. Do you
0: have any suggestions or tips for uh, female photographers starting out, female photographers mid-career?
1: Well I think what's really important is to you know to get your work out there, um, you know going to events, uh, talks. Uh, of course, there is a lot of competition. some are paid, some are for free, uh, but I think it's also a good way to you know to get your name out there. But I think it's also important to find what is that you really want to what you really want to say, what you really want to you know express in your in your photography and and i and I think you know that's something that nobody can force it, it just has to really flow and and i mean some people say it takes them many years to find out what is the the topic that they want to work on and yeah i think I think it's good to also you know see a lot of things who are Contemporaries and peers, what are they working on? What is their style? I think that's super relevant to to be aware what's out there, um, and really believe what you want to do. Well, nice.
0: Well, thank you very much. I know it's it's pretty late now in Hong Kong. It must be close to midnight.
1: Yeah, quarter to.
0: So, thank you for uh, being on the show. No,
1: please. Thank you for having me and inviting me and photo feminists.
0: Yeah. So, um. Of course, uh, I will link to all of those things we talked about when we publish the show, and I will um, ask if you are interested in uh, an Instagram takeover.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, and and that's great. So we will talk soon, and, and bye, everyone. Thank you.